Hello and welcome to the BSG Podcast. I am your host, Chase, and today we're going to be talking about the origin of the RPG and our way to the modern era of RPGs. And with me to talk about this is Quinn. How are you doing today, Quinn? I'm doing pretty good. If you don't know who we are, we are BSG. We're an informative bi-weekly podcast focused on gaming news and discussions. On Mondays, we go over the news for the week, covering everything gaming without the BS. And on Wednesdays, we pick up a juicy topic, as this one might be, or a game to review and give our half-informed opinions. And if you want to get a hold of us, it would be best to get us on Twitter. At BS Gamers Podcast, you can discuss your startings with RPGs. Where what what's the first game you started and what do you think about it today? Is it getting better? Is it getting worse? Is it stale? You gotta tell us. And what can they do even more that is even better? If you want to do us a big old solid, you can do so by reviewing us on whichever platform you are listening to the podcast on. That would be very hopeful, helpful, and hopeful for us. Uh, we are a small podcast and trying to uh, get a little bit of traction. We want to, you know, build a little community here. And uh, reviews definitely help with that, as well as communication on Twitter, as Chase said. All right, let's jump into the origin of the RPG. All right. All right, so do you have a guess, Quinn, when we would consider the first RPG, not the video game, but like what would you consider the first time in history when we first coined the term of role-playing? Are we talking uh, about the games. the date? That <laughs> is there an actual date attributed to when the there, term was coined? Um, no, because you can say role playing, but I'm talking about role playing games in general. Like, when was it actually started? Like, when is it considered? Ah, this is the era when RPGs has started. I'm a, I'm assuming the 70s. Yes, and in the 70s, this is around the time when Dungeons and Dragons came. Hence, the reason role playing. It was actually right. started by Gary Gygax and Dave Arneson. So they co-founded a company uh, called TSR, which is almost is is a worse name than BSG because you know who fucking knows <laughs> what, what that even is. meant at the time. Well, question. Yeah. Uh, so is Dungeons and Dragons like actually the first? Yes. Uh, I guess version of what RPG or role playing games look like. So. One of the hard things to decide what is a role playing thing is like you can go as far back to like many years ago. You can start with chess, you can start with many strategy games, and each of those told some form of narrative. And like what basically happened is with RPGs, they came more or less from the 60s war games. Uh, and even before that, there were these like war game simulators. And from those, there were like these people who created, um, like these war games where you could be a banker inside that game or some other uh, type of character that was outside the war simulations. And so it's they took a lot of that information from a bunch of other people and then they brought together this fantastical, uh, very, um, I guess, cohesive role-playing game because it hadn't been done at the time. So, um, yeah, I guess the question is, like, I understand that there is argument and debate about what is considered a role-playing game. But in terms of, I can play a wizard and do wizard things, mm-hmm. mad, or Dungeons & Dragons was the first version of that. Yes, that is correct. Okay. Um, I mean, there have been other things before that 
have been represented as wizards and we're actually gonna i'll get to that in a second there's a good question here so where do you think that dave arneson and gary gygax took their influence from um what author um for modern uh fantasy literature oh god is this the author you like reading no He's I, very no famous. I don't, I don't He's know extremely uh, fictional famous. authors. He's extremely famous. Every, you would know, once I say his name, you'll be very disappointed how you didn't know. So he's the one Is who... Is it Tolkien? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they took their information from J.R.R. Tolkien. And you can see that in a lot of their types of characters, such as wizards, um, I guess not hobbits, but whatever the other fucking like dwarves. The short, yeah, the shorter yeah. one, uh, gnomes or something like that. No, uh, right. Yeah. There's, there's thousands, not thousands, yeah. but there's hundreds of races in yeah. Dungeons but and not, Dragons. Yeah. yeah, but that came more later. Dungeons and Dragons right. originally only started with like a very base amount of Basic, characters. Basic, right. But so, my, an, so in a way, because I guess like the thought I'm thinking of is like, so Lord of the Rings is. I guess the 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 birthplace of the RPG in a way, yeah, uh, or the Hobbit even, um, right? Because right. that was in 1937. I think that was one of his earlier books. Jeez, um, 1937. Whoa. And I, I didn't go far back enough to see like are there, were there other books, but there, he did get influences for himself as well. But for like, oh right, and he's the even father like, of modern fantasy. Right, right, of like Middle Earth fantasy, yeah. and uh, like beyond that, yeah, there's been myths and legends and stuff for thousands of years so i like yeah so it's not i think you could go back infinitely if you really wanted yeah so you can go back you know dragons you know flying mythical creatures there's some way hercules and the greek gods and all that stuff yeah so that's kind of where um rpgs though officially started and this is kind of like the makeup in almost every rpg that's why we coin Dungeons and Dragons for the first RPG. So I'm going to give some of like the details of um, what like it what is that makes an RPG. The genre. Yeah, yeah. And so one of them is is that well, generally there's a narrative story. Okay. There's interactions with the environment, townspeople, etc. So there's some form of interaction that's outside, essentially like NPCs. Mm-hmm. Then you, op- this is a little bit optional, but this is like pretty prevalent in a lot of RPGs. And the only one that is an exception. Um, would be Dragon Quest is parties, um, mm-hmm. but that's not. I know that's not necessarily necessary, but it's like such a prevalent thing that it, it gets put in as part of uh, the RPG makeup. Right. Uh, the big, one, the biggest one probably is that you gain experience and you get stronger. So uh, experience, leveling up, etc. Those things are very necessary for it to be some form of an RPG, some some way where like you can incrementally get stronger. Right. Finally, you have battles, which give you treasure or knowledge. So, experience I, essentially. Yeah. Uh, and it's just to be a little bit more more careful. It's like there's a prize for doing these certain rewards certain for doing like yeah. completing. Activities, it's a quest you can call right. it. Um, and then one of the big ones uh, that especially especially started in D anD D was that there's a hit rating based on a random generator. So this is even in computer games where you, there's a chance for you to hit or a chance for you to miss or, or do some extra damage that. stuff like yeah. that. So one of the fun things uh, I read a book called Of Dice and Men, and just to give a little bit more information about D anD D is that it was so successful that they had to photocopy the first edition like in order to not them 
but people photocopied, which I guess in some sense you can consider it um, copyright infringement right. uh, by distributing it to other people in order to buy it. Because when they first did it, I think they only had like, I can't remember if it was 2,000 or 10,000 copies, but when they gave those out, they were out immediately. And so they just couldn't keep up with the demand. It was so, mm. that's how successful it was. So people were photocopying, which arguably probably costed more money than buying the book itself. <laughs> yeah, it might. Um, I don't think they came out with hardcovers back then until much later. So, uh, yeah, it, it was pretty fucking expensive. Um, and that's one of the reasons why you start seeing in the 80s and the 70s or late 70s early 80s where now D&D is such a big and prevalent thing where now it's it's controversial in the media you know we uh can talk about i think i talked about this in the last podcast like it could be uh it, it was related to satanism and all that stuff and it, one of the biggest reasons why is because it was such a big thing to for a lot of people to do and very right. and and of the people who didn't play they didn't understand it Right. It's kind of like Pokemon back in the day where <laughs> yeah. everyone was like, oh, communist China or some imperial Japan or some some Asian force is taking over the United States. Uh, what, was, young. what was that South Park joke? The Chin Pokemon? Or yeah, Chin Pokemon, like <laughs> where the, J- Japan was basically brainwashing children to become like kamikaze pilots or something. Yeah. Yeah. So that so this is what you're seeing in in. Uh, in our society about how D&D is getting bigger. So here's a question for you. This one, I can understand if you don't get it. What was the first expansion to D&D which gave a story and instructions for the game master to follow when playing a game of Dungeons and Dragons? Uh, I'm going to guess and have this is all zero idea. But also, so I'm assuming this question is implying that there weren't like specific instructions for the no. dungeon master in the original? No. Well, there were like, there were instructions on how to play, but there were but not But not about giving a story. Yes. So So this was like an official story from them. Yes. Let's uh let's give a name maybe a uh blistering aisles. <laughs> Well, it started with a B, so good job. <laughs> Bullshit uh, the, story. <laughs> <laughs> the answer was Blackmore. And Black the reason why okay. the reason why it was so important is that it it had to it, it was the first story ascent like like you were mentioning that Dungeons and Dragons gave to people mm-hmm. to use because when they first got the instructions I mean it I mean it's a it's a fucking book of rules in the end right right it is a rule book that's like a hundred something pages or yeah and it was quite very big. detailed uh, it's, I think it's actually gone shorter the amount of rules since with each evolving edition. Because I know at one point, like especially the fourth edition, like going on a tangent, it really bogged down how many rules there were. And fifth edition really stripped that away. And so with Blackmore, this was the first time to give like a story for the game master to actually use and decide on characters' fates uh, based on what they they do. Mm -hmm. And so... This really helped with making uh, Dungeons and Dragons just huge, and uh, it was interesting. In of Dice of Men, I believe Blackmore was created by Dave Arneson. Mm-hmm. Gary Gagax was more the guy who made the rules, um, right? More or less. And so with uh, Blackmore, he would used to he. What would happen is before Blackmore was created, he would um, do these kind of Dungeon and Dragon parties, uh, like bringing people over and then doing like the tale with them. 
over right, like a ho- hosting of yeah. games essentially. And so this is kind of how it started with the Blackmore. And so they like improved oh. it and they started distributing it. And so, so then, he took like one of his own stories essentially and then made it into a purchasable yes. thing. Yes. <laughs> For a bunch of people now to play it. And right. so um going past that, like as I was saying, Dungeon Dragon became bigger, LARPing became a thing. Um that uh the first group was called Dagor here, which I have no idea who they are, but they were basically this group in ni- that was in Washington t- nineteen in nineteen seventy seven in Washington DC. And uh they're still there. That's like Really, what matters about it is that LARPing first started in 1977, and that's why you start... Actually, probably one of the reasons why people started becoming afraid of uh, Dungeons & Dragons in the media. Uh, right. This idea that of disassociating from reality. Okay. You had all these wizards walking around in Washington, yeah. D.C. And I, I could go into that a little bit more about, like, about Egbert and about some other people who disassociated from reality. But the, the essential idea from that, I don't want to bog down us too much in it, is that people were misinformed about what it is. And a few kids, sure, were disassoci- you know, disassociating reality. But um, it was basically misinformation by the media, uh, even though it was such a useful tool. Um, mm-hmm. To teach math and communication, you and know, social socializing. Too. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. But going into a little bit more of the kind of computer era, like where we actually start seeing role playing in video yeah, games. Yeah, where's the first yeah. video game for role playing games? So you can consider this a video game. You cannot, it's up to you. But these people at MIT um, created the first online text RPG. Oh, these are the, like, MUDs? I yes. Believe. And in fact, mm. that's what's called a multi-user dungeon or MUD 1. So basically, uh, this is like online D&D or I guess nowadays it would be um, Roll20 would be the most famous one right now. I don't know if you remember that, Quinn, when we used to do our yeah, I think D&D stuff. I, I would even attribute, like, MUDs to... Less of like Roll20 because that's all like user generated. I, I, it's a lot more sophisticated now. I agree. But my point. But what I what I recall on MUDs is that it had a, a pre-installed story basically and you or at least locations and you would just move about them. Correct. Yeah, it's it's basically. Yeah, it's just basically a chat. So to, to really define it, it's just like a chat room where it gives you right. some information and you, you can put in information about like uh some text like you're in a room i am gognor the wizard (laughs) yeah it didn't really do anything like what a video game would implement you know in any way like by pressing a button it actually signifies something it was just information really right and you know funny like the mit people which you think would be the busiest people uh trying to get their degree like they they're like we still want to play um Dungeons and Dragons. So we're going to create this um, highly sophisticated, essentially, chat room. And it was the first online chat room, by the way, um, in order to play Dungeons and Dragons. So the first online chat room was created by people who just wanted to play more Dungeons and Dragons. (laughs) (laughs) So to save on time, it would all be done through text. And this is also like early stages of the internet, correct? Yeah. I mean, we didn't have, yeah, we, like I said, we didn't have texting backs and forth. We didn't have uh, whatever um, 
group chat or te- like text messages and that sophistication with uh, online. So right. um, yeah, this is this is the very start of it. So and, yeah, it's a very helpful in how much it provided to society. Right, and like uh, I actually learned a, a, a bit about this stuff, and I had a video game history class I took, um, where. So yeah, to your to your point, it was kind of like D and D in the way that, without a dungeon master, like that all the quote quote unquote quests are all it's all very rudimentary. But it was like all the rooms and everything were already pre-programmed into the text. Like it was essentially this really long text document and almost like a choose your own adventure mm-hmm. sort of situation. But mul- multiple people could be interacting while navigating this choose your own adventure. Um, yeah, so that's like interesting that it's just like this full on it's essentially playing like an MMO or not even an MMO, but a very rudimentary RPG MMO that you're blind mm-hmm. in and you can only communicate through like text. Yeah, I guess it would be ma- it would be a massive multiplayer thing at the time since six people would probably be a lot of people. Yeah, that, that it was that was the entirety of the internet right there. Yeah. <laughs> A large percentage of the internet at that time was just Dungeons and Dragons online. Yeah. Mugs, so yeah. there have been video games about D&D, extremely rudimentary games that came from it. Um, but what do you think was the first RPG that was not based on D&D? Like, wh- like, sorry, let me rephrase that. What console was the first RPG that was not based on D&D? Because I know you wouldn't know the answer to the actual game. Okay. So, what console do you think? I'm assuming that means it's not on the PC. No. Um, um, there have been PC games before that have, like, you can consider Wizardry and some other games, some very, very basic uh, right. D&D games. But the there was a game um, that was not based on D&D and was the first one ever, and it was on console. So what do you think that console I'm was? I'm going to say... Uh, The NES or like the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Ooh, yeah, your second guess was correct. Good job. The NES um, is close because at the point when the NES comes out, that's more of the modern you can consider RPG okay. if you'd like, more or less. But it's 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 hard to define that. But anyways, yes, the first RPG that was not based on D and D was Dragon Stomper, and it was on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Dragon yeah. Stomper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. One of my one of my questions I was going to ask you is like, what do you think it's related to though? In the end, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, stomping dragons. <laughs> no, it's. I mean, my point. My point was is like uh, this game essentially still relates to dragons in some point. right. Like RPGs it's not, are like, still connoting to that. So how was it different than I guess? Like what? What separates it from these D and D? Well, it removed. Um, besides like choosing specific classes to how you you can be. So you didn't have that ability in Dragon Stomper. Mm. Um, you also had only two attributes, um, which was strength and dexterity. So uh, yes, it's sure. In the end, it's going to be similar. It also didn't have a level up system, which was a little odd. But the reason okay. why it was an RPG was that um, you can essentially gain items that make you stronger or weaker mm-hmm. even, actually. So you would collect like staffs um, or potions. And these potions would either increase or decrease your strength or dexterity. 
Gotcha. And, yeah. And I actually watched a video on it just to see like, what is this game like? Because there were, there were companies like Forbes, like in 2005, I think, or six said that this was the most innovative game created of all time. Wow. Um, and I was like, damn. And I can kind of see why, because like at the time, it was, this came out in 1982, and in the mm-hmm. end, you're still a little square. You're not even uh, like Atari 2600. You know, it's like Pong pieces, essentially. Right, it's pixels fighting pixels. Yeah, and so you were like a little square uh, moving around, um, and one of the things that it had was like these random monsters would come in, and you would fight them, they would weaken you, and your goal was to essentially fight the dragon. And stomp it. And one of the things that was interesting about it, like the Atari 2600 was so weak, uh, so weak performing as a console that um, the game had to come out with a peripheral. Is This is what they call it. It's a cartridge peripheral. Basically an attachment. To like give it more memory or something. Yeah, to get to allow it to even play this game. Because wow. it was so, um, I guess, powerful at the time. The Atari 2600 couldn't handle it. And the game didn't do well, actually. I checked with the company. I'm like, is this company still around that created it? And it is not. Right. <laughs> it, go, it, it failed after a, a year or two after this game came out. So it did not perform uh, that well when the game came out. Right. Well, I'm um, sure like just the, the fact of needing a, an accessory is like rough back then. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It was like $80 for that game at that time. Right. So just think about how expensive that is, $80. Right. Um probably like Back then. double that you just think double right that, that's how much it would have cost so from since the uh atari 2600 i think uh, sorry not i think what happened was more prevalence of rpgs occurred when it moved to the nes era mm-hmm. so you had this pc game known as boko suka wars hopefully okay. i said that right which was a TRPG, which started on the Sharp X1 computer, and then it was poured over to the NES in 1985. Uh, TRPG meaning tactical role-playing game. Uh, they actually coined it something else on the NES and as New Bokosuka Wars. Whatever reason, we don't know. But um, basically, as the, the these games started popping up on the NES, um, these JRPGs essentially... Um, and these are this is the start of the do, like you could say the dominance of JRPGs. Mm-hmm. And the first six, one of uh, the first two successful games that were RPGs on the NES were Final Fantasy and Dragon Warrior, or as you would we know it now in the states, Dragon Quest. Mm-hmm. And those were both successful in Japan, and even Final Fantasy was successful in the United States, selling over four hundred thousand copies. When it wow. when it came out, so that's pretty good back then, especially for a like four hundred thousand. Yeah, wow. copies. Yeah, uh, which is really good, yeah. uh, especially for a Japanese game. It was like uh, one of the first successful games to come out to actually um, come from uh, like the eastern area, basically Japan, because no one else was really making <laughs> games in uh, China right. so much or or Korea, other even. parts of the world. Yeah, yeah. but so. Here's a question for you. I had to I had to put this question in. Why do you think the game is called Final Fantasy? Well, I already know the answer to this because you talk about it so much. Really? Oh. <laughs> yeah, it was their like Square Enix was making other things at the time 
And this was like the final project they could work on. Mm-hmm. And so in some sense, it well, was a fantasy game, but it was also like the final thing they could work on. And then yeah. it ended up being successful so they could make more. Yeah, they were actually about to go bankrupt. Right. With this guy. Uh, uh, have they not come out with a successful game? Uh, and in fact, uh, the original name of this was going to be called Fighting Fantasy. But mm. there were other games. There was another, I think, D&D related thing that was called Fighting Fantasy. Oh. So they had to avoid copyright issues. Uh, and so this game did really successful and it continued on the series. Um, but there are other games about Final, besides Final Fantasy. Don't worry. <laughs> Just because I love <laughs> Final Fantasy. There are other RPGs. And the one that came out on the Sega Master System, which really pushed the ideas of Dungeon Dragon RPGs, yeah. was Fantasy, the Fantasy Star series, specifically mm. Fantasy Star 2, which came out in 1989. It was the first time uh, on a console where you could where it had a very dramatic storyline it dealt with very serious subjects and if you looked at other previous games we're going to start seeing this with especially with japanese games usually they're on lighter notes or there isn't that much uh information you could say to be able to be put on the console Mm -hmm. and with computer games which were more western um they weren't so worried about store very distinct stories per character they were more of worried about like an avatar or like your yourself and being immersed into the game uh, like like more D aspect of creating yeah. yourself exactly so you were you were the character rather than someone else and this is rather where than playing the, a character yeah. and yeah. that was the real distinction between jrpgs um and western rpgs mm. was this very idea and it's uh it even to be more specific, this was the difference between computer and console RPGs because computers uh, RPGs were made by Westerners. Um, right. And this had to do with the fact of costs of computers in the United States as compared to Japan. Well, I'm sure the, also in addition, D&D came from the West and mm-hmm. MIT like pushing to get it onto computers. Yes. Like the, like the basically the entire that scene started in the west so it was probably more prevalent there so yeah it was a lot cheaper to get computers because it was so much more of a important aspect in our culture in the united Mm -hmm. states while in japan it was not even out right like like it was so hard it wasn't Um, feasible to even do anything the closest successful game even was uh rpg specifically was black onyx which was on a computer in 1984 so that was that was like it for for computer stuff though um, for for Japan, they just they they instead put their uh, buckets of money towards consoles, which was the NES or the Famicom, right over there. So, here's a question for you: how how did so one of the limitations? So let me let me let me preface this. One of the limitations in the the 80s especially with consoles and computers is there was a lack of uh, narrative and, it, mm-hmm. and as as the years went on this became a lot better right one of the and especially in the 90s when uh, uh games came out for rpg wise they usually had very good stories i mean we can harken back to final fantasy 7 which had a ridiculously great story but maybe i'm going a little bit too far 
Um, in the 80s, there were limitations with consoles and computers. So how do you think RPGs would include like these lengthy paragraphs in their game in order and, and still save space on them? Because um, they wanted to give you a story. But so they I'm were guessing limited. two things. I'm going to guess two things. Okay. They, instead of having constant text come up, mm-hmm. you could probably save space by just having a single like image with all the text on it. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the one. Another idea Images is would that, still take a lot of room. Yeah, right, but instead, that way you could like, Essentially, put a book on screen instead mm-hmm. of a, instead of like constant text popping up uh, from like characters' dialogue or whatever. I don't even know if there was dialogue boxes back then. Another idea would be that the booklet included included a large chunk of the lore. I guess. Ooh, yeah, you're getting pretty, pretty steamy there with that second guess. So I like I I have that was sort of like the main thing I was thinking about is that you just kind of put it on the box and in the booklet as best you can maybe guidebooks but i don't think guidebooks were really you're still you're still really warm with what you're saying um you could kind of consider it a guidebook but i'll, I'll give the answer anyway um, yeah <laughs> well nice motorcycle um so rpgs answer this with having manuals essentially you know guidebooks you can call it right more more like a manual and in these pamphlets uh they would have these lengthy paragraphs and what they did was there would be a number on the screen like just a one or a two and it would direct you to those paragraphs that you would have to read oh that's cool yeah and an example of a game that was successful uh, and did this was the star saga trilogy um and so, yeah, basic, my, my whole point is that in order to create these narratives, this is how they did it. Right. This is this is was their answer to add it. So, I mean, it'd be kind of funny to think about how people, I think, because there was still piracy at this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they would pirate these games and then they would look at the number and they'd be like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> right. They wouldn't be able to, to read yeah. anything. So maybe in another sense, it could have been a good way of protection towards piracy. But, well, I actually, you know. just like the the idea of that, I like a lot. Like how there's a physical aspect that you need to interact with outside of the game. Um, and I know this is a bad example, but like I kind of got that experience with a game called... Um, uh, oh, crap. I forgot, I forgot <laughs> what it's called. Uh, something... Keep talking and nobody explodes. Or keep talking... Essentially, it's this game where you one player is actually actively playing the game, and another player has like either a PDF or a printed booklet. I know which one you're talking about. That has instructions <laughs> it in it that you need to. Um, it is Disarm yeah. Keep talking and nobody explodes. It's about disarming a bomb or something. You right. You have to. One player is in a bomb situation trying to disarm a bomb, but they need instructions, and the other player outside of the game has the instructions. Now, I know it's not the same in terms of like RPG-ness, but sure. I really like that physical like, aspect. That physical aspect. And we had talked about this, I believe, in the last podcast where just having game guides was like super fun. Yeah. Like having a book outside of the game that you could you basically take the game 
wherever you go. Like when you're sleeping, you could take it with you and read while you before you go to bed. You could take it while your parents are out grocery shopping and you have to go with them. Like it's taking the game outside of just the screen that I really mm-hmm. like. And it's interesting that they like were thinking of that to save space in a way. Right. Yeah. And uh, there were other, I guess, limitations as well as well that um, I guess they tried to add some physical interactions, you could say, or physical things to do. Mm-hmm. Like there, the game Wizardry, as I mentioned earlier, um, as well as Legend of Zelda, the original is considered an RPG. I was surprised about that, but um, it is. Uh, at least the people back then considered it an RPG. Right. Um, they had these things where you would go through the maps in these grid-like fashion, but they didn't give you a map, right? Mm. So Wizardry um, gave you graph paper and a pencil in order to do it when you bought to the game. To map out the map. <laughs> yeah. Because that was like considered a fun aspect for people back then to do. And I could see that. I mean, now it's the, a lot of people hate that. We now have auto mapping um, where it creates the map for us as we go through an area, for example. And then we could just look at it on screen. Like that, that was one of the, uh, like a big, to me, a big innovation. I would hate playing the original Legend of Zelda and not have that map. Well, I think the, it's like even that idea is cool right like if you were playing a game maybe not the entirety of the game but let's say a puzzle that required you to physically draw it out Mm -hmm. but i i guess the the difference is that back then it was kind of you you knew that like when you're playing legend of zelda that you had to draw a map right Mm -hmm. like there was there was already that intention put in place, but like today, no one thinks, oh, I actually physically have to draw what I'm doing <laughs> to understand what's going on. Yeah, it makes me think like I'm just playing Sekiro right now, and uh, there isn't really a map in the game. Right. And so I'm wondering if I had just taken the time <laughs> to create a to map draw for it. it all out. Oh. It'd be really fucking hard because it's three dimensional as fuck. So, right. <laughs> but maybe that would immensely help me with the game. Or not. just things just things to to consider um right so my point uh in getting in all to this is that eventually there was this golden age of rpgs between the 80s and the 2000s can you guess what kind of rpg was dominant in this era i kind of gave it away a little bit but what do you think jrpgs yeah jrpgs were the dominant thing and this and is I'm assuming that's also because like in a way consoles are the dominant what were the yeah. dominant thing during this time. That was a huge factor. I mean, this is outside of the argument that I'm going to be putting up as to why. Mm-hmm. But that is 100% true that the consoles were an easy way to get into gaming, uh, especially right. back then. Nowadays it's more of a blur uh which is like okay what's the difference between a console and a and a computer mm-hmm. and actually nowadays a computer is outperforming but still in the end w- there is still like this idea where there isn't much of a difference between a computer and a console you can do ev- you can do everything on them for the most mm-hmm. part at in least from games games yeah 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 i can't use microsoft word on my ps4 right. <laughs> so 
as uh, you just mentioned, JRPG was the dominant one between the 80s and the 2000s. There was a lot of innovation going on uh, between this, like I said, about the auto-mapping, um, the side view, which happened with Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy incorporated that. It, um, I mean, there was also the first-person point of view, which uh, Dungeon Dragons did, but so did Dragon Warrior. And so mm-hmm. you, you're getting all the, a, a lot of um, aspects from Dungeons & Dragons being now put into the game fully. There's one, one big important aspect. Like uh, in Dungeons & Dragons, for example, there are weaknesses to, uh, that enemies have. Right. And that was really hard to put in. And Final Fantasy was actually the first one to do it. I was actually surprised about that uh, for a um, video game RPG. Uh crpg if you want to call it that to do like debuffs and stuff like that yeah or or just like i'm, I'm weak against fire etc but yeah there's weak against fire is my point uh yeah like there's that idea which is nuts like i was like really that it's that it only came that uh it came that late seems like something that would come much uh earlier but yes so here's some basic ideas about the difference between a western and a jrpg because now we're getting into this modern era, the, these golden years, and now we're starting to to get these two different facets of gaming. Uh, we, and this is only a generalization. Mm-hmm. We have to be careful. Um, so Western RPGs, let's take. Let's actually ask you. What do you think are some aspects that make a Western RPG different from a, a JRPG? Well, besides from console and PC. Yeah, that, I mean, um, that's always the biggest thing. Right, and I, I think you kind of alluded to it before, is that in Western RPGs, you're playing... It's more about yourself rather mm-hmm. than about playing through this one character through their story. Right. Um, and I think in a lot of ways, too, you we were talking about how most RPGs revolve around a party, and I feel like Western RPGs, at least today, and I'm assuming back then, started to... Ver- like. Uh, veer off that path and became more about like just being this one this one character and less about the party yeah um there uh hironobu sakaguchi i'm sorry to bring up a final fantasy guy but he did say like he considered western rpgs like evolving from shooters because Mm. it was very this like one player-esque style um for the modern western rpg uh, not modern, uh, semi-modern, we can say. Like, well, it's, yeah, it's interesting that he said it evolves from shooters, but shooters came after. Yeah, he RPGs. That's true, um, but it's the idea about this first-person aspect. Right. I was gonna say, like, it. I feel like Western RPGs are more action-oriented. Mm-hmm. That's actually while, very true. While like Japanese RPGs are very, you definitely see turn-based RPGs. They're far more prevalent. Right. It's it's very much more of like a, I don't want to say more strategic, but more like slower paced while Western RPGs are definitely yeah. like, I'm going out to do stuff in real time, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I mean more, fo- I guess story-wise too, is like more focus on dragons and medieval. Right. Uh, while Japan is more like huge buster swords and... <laughs> places you're never going to be able to see in real life etc and so yeah the basic uh constructs they would say about uh, western rpgs was that they're darker um Mm. they have older characters that was a big one i was like oh yeah that's a good point characters seem to be a lot older 
They're not uh, all 14. They're, <laughs> they're not all 14. Yeah, bigger than their head. JRPGs are very anime-like. Yeah. Uh, and then as we were saying earlier, there's this greater sense of freedom and realism in Western RPGs as compared to JRPGs, which predefine their characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- those are the, the, the big distinctions between them. And that was actually one of the reasons why JRPGs started to dominate, not because of the anime-like thing, but because it felt stale to play an R- a Western RPG because you were just playing yourself and there wasn't mm. much information to get from it at that time because right. this would actually become more and way prevalent later. I mean, just think about the Elder Scrolls series in itself. Right. Um, when you actually get branching dialogues or choices. That's right. when, Elder Scrolls, yeah. Mass Effect, Fallout. Yeah, all those games. That's when really Western RPGs uh, took a a uh, like a wheel uh, into RPGs because before you, you, there was just not that much uh, grandeur, just being this being that your own person because mm-hmm. you're not making choices. But when choices become a thing, that's when our uh, Western RPGs really start taking the wheel back. Mm. Um, and then actually JRPGs started getting. Uh, hunted down because of their their staleness now because now it seemed a lot of the They're characters slow, were very yeah. the same or uh, just kind of stale personalities like there's not a lot going into it and, and even I, just gameplay too because the the new final the fantasy 7 is like totally been redone as an action rpg yeah yeah you can't it's really hard to do turn-based even nowadays uh, and be successful mm-hmm. um and as I was saying, these are not exactly true. And just to give a simple example, the Secret of Mana series that came out on the SNES um, during the golden era of video gaming, that was action-based that came from Japan. Mm. Um, so you, there were games that fit different areas. It's just that like this was the prevalent type of style right. for this Western This is like JRPG. the generalization, the broader yeah. strokes. Yeah. But this is, uh, yeah, but th- around this time, this is when um, you would actually get your modern RPG. That's why it's called the golden years mm-hmm. of RPGs between the 80s and the 2000s. It was actually a little contested, like, when is it? Some people argue between the 80s and 90s, some between the 90s and 2000s. So I was like, fuck it, 80s to the 2000s. Right. That's when everyone believes is the modern era of RPG games. And I think almost there's a, a resurgence happening but we could talk about that a little bit later. Yeah, why don't we talk about it right at the end? Um, yeah. So during this era of uh, these golden RPGs, we actually started getting a lot of different branching styles of RPGs. So, I mean, most famous would be MMORPGs, mm. where you would have multi, multi, massive, multi, goddammit. Massively multiplayer <laughs> online games. So fucking hard to say. Yeah. Uh, and like Final Fantasy XI, huge example. Ultima um, was or an World example. World of Warcraft. Well. World of Warcraft is probably the most famous now. Um, it definitely sold a fuck ton of copies. And uh, it's still, and they re released it and it's still doing insanely well. Yeah, isn't that nuts that they came out with World of Warcraft Classic? It's like, here, you can play our shitty game that we made right. way better. <laughs> but you guys like shitty, apparently. So here yeah, you just go. Just with the nostalgia. Yeah, yeah, so there were those type of games. There were sandbox RPGs, which is essentially like an MMO, but just by yourself. Mm. <laughs> That's how I would call it. <laughs> um, I mean, 
I mean, it's a little bit more technical than that, but right. sure, it's the idea that you can do whatever you want in those those type of games. Um, there was that recent game that we were looking at that was uh, that I might be an RPG. Um, that's like you're a slave or like you're a nobody and you're trying to just survive in the world. Uh, you, we might, I just can't remember the name of it, but it's just the a effect. racing game, not racing. I didn't say racing. You said, uh, I heard slave. Racing. You're like a slave or you're like, you're a nobody. And I feel uh, like that's a lot of, Oh, you're talking about, um, was it Kenji? I can't, I can't remember. All I remember is that uh, you're trying to just get yourself out of like a shitty world. It's There's the, no story it's behind it. It's the worst game. It's like the most difficult like thing to uh, do well in. A uh, Kenshi. Yeah, it's Kenshi. Is that what it was? Okay. You're talking about the game that I would be into. Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. what it was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're like, hmm, being a nobody, that sounds awesome. <laughs> right. Like you're, you start off, you can start off as like a slave and then like you free yourself and then you get ran over by cannibals and they eat your <laughs> arm off and then you have to like walk 40 days to the nearest town, but you bleed out and <laughs> it's a fun game. It's a fun game. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, you could think of a D&D uh, game as a sandbox RPG if you wanted right, to or right. whatnot. You kind of do whatever you want, and you have yeah. to make your own story. Uh, then there were tactical RPGs. We talked about a little bit about this uh, with the Pokasuka Wars being the first one uh, on console. Uh, you have action RPGs, which, I mean, almost an o- it, it's not an oxymoron, obviously, but it's such a it's such a diverse hybrid to put together because RPGs. I don't think so. Uh, I think it's ultimately what what rpgs have always tried to be Mm -hmm. like ultimately when you think about it right like think about dungeons and dragons the start of it the the idea is that you can be a character and actively make any decisions you want through the entirety of the game from simple decisions to bigger decisions and ultimately to reach that in its in its glory would be like a VR game where you're actively just making those decisions and there is no waiting. You're actively mm-hmm. taking action all the time. Right. Yeah, I I understand. Like it's it's just a it's just a little odd, but it, I get the idea. It's you know you're doing the, the the reason why I get confused about it, or I guess um, it's a little odd to me, is that you can do better by being a better player. Hmm rather than leveling up and getting stronger. Right, which is definitely a Western that. mindset as well. Yeah, And maybe that's just because, yeah, I, I like JRPGs more. But, you know, that's that's beside the point. Keep good. <laughs> you also have roguelike RPGs. Um, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head one that I knew, but it doesn't matter. Uh, basically, you know, dungeon crawling. Oh, Diablo. Wasn't that a uh, roguelike RPG? No. Like, damn it. That's a dungeon uh, oh. crawling RPG. Roguelike RPG is like uh, Rogue Legacy is a roguelike RPG. Binding of Isaac is potentially a roguelike RPG, mm, but less okay. RPG elements, more roguelike elements. Um, it's essentially an RPG where if you die, your predecessor uh, or whoever follows you up, your next character has mm-hmm. some of the attributes or items of your last character. All right. Um, and then the last thing to say, this isn't even a genre, because these were all subgenres, you could say. But the last one is that now many types of games, of genres of games, have now RPG elements. 
Mm, and it seems like there's this hybridization nowadays it's less games being rpgs um you could say i mean there still are can't argue it but it's more like here's a game let's add rpg elements to it to i don't know make it more rewarding or to maybe even lengthen the game actually that could be a possibility but that it's it seems nowadays um not only do you have rpgs but you have games that have been adding rpg elements to it and that's kind of like where the right. the, the advent of the modern era is is that rpg elements are almost everywhere well um, i would games. almost argue that it's it's not that like rpgs themselves are disappearing i definitely think the classic versions of rpgs are disappearing yeah. but you have things like skyrim and witcher 3 both of which have been labeled as so the basically two of the best games to come out in the last 10 years both mm-hmm. of which are heavily rpg they're not first person shooters they're not anything other than an rpg um but they add elements that are far different from what we consider an old rpg like right i'm saying from or, a classic yeah. rpg it's different it's but gone. ultimately i don't i don't think it's these two games are like witcher 3 is an rpg in every yeah. respect I, I don't there's no part of it that's like oh this is only half rpg it's yeah. a completely it's, con- full... it's not contested it's but like as i was saying it's more of a hybridization like i don't it's think not... it is i think what you you're referring so. to is other genres taking elements of right. rpgs i think witcher 3 is a hundred percent rpg there's no there's no other genre happening mm-hmm. but the games like you could argue that like um Destiny. Even Destiny as like a looter shooter, which is a whole nother genre, which is RPG shooter, mm-hmm. basically combo. Or even you could say like class based shooters, the idea that um, there are different classes you can play. Essentially, like you can pick uh, like a wizard character or a knight character or, or a ranger, like different classes have their own abilities and you can use those to fight other players like mm-hmm. a, a general like a way way down the line generalization of this is like tf2 there's nine different characters they all uh, play differently but they probably take some elements of an rpg class system where there are different characters you must choose mm-hmm. um even like fallout fallout is a good example because it is a first person shooter slash rpg it's the combo of those things mm-hmm this is why I brought you on, Quinn, because I knew at the end of it, I needed someone to give out some examples of what the it is. The games that you don't RPG play. Yeah. Don't play. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, like you were saying, this is kind of where the modern RPG starts um, as the ga- a lot of the games that you were mentioning. Um, right. And yeah, I think so Destiny the- 2 is a good example of, of where RPG elements are kind of being hybrid, like, bastardized almost by like <laughs> put into these other genres yeah it's in a lot uh, of genres nowadays it's well i think like it's it, i don't know if it's in a lot of genres but definitely that there are now hybrids of genres like the looter shooter is a big example because you have like destiny you have borderlands um you is have Sekiro division an rpg i'm always i don't know about that one for yeah, sure Sekiro's an rpg 100 okay, cool. then i cannot argue against that one um i was even gonna say a second ago that you could consider all the Souls games to be roguelike RPGs in mm-hmm. a way because you do die, but you get a benefit. Right. From, like each mm-hmm. life, you get a little bit more. Um, but that's that's a whole other. It's argument. its own subgenre now. It's a it's a Soulsborne game. Now it's a yeah, it's a Souls like <laughs> game. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, those, that's kind of 
it in terms of like what I wanted to get up to is that now we, these are our modern RPGs. Um, and uh, just to kind of recap, yeah, we started with D&D. Uh, they took it from war simulations and then we got here. Now we're here. Right. War simulations and Tolkien combo D&D. Now we're here where so, Chase doesn't play any games. <laughs> I don't play these <laughs> games. Uh, so yeah. I guess the last thing I'm going to ask you some questions about. Uh, what do you think the best-selling RPG is ever? Series. Series? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Oh, you're going to tell me Final Fantasy, aren't you? Nope. That's the is second it... best. Oh, God. Is it Dragon Quest? Nope. Third. That's like third, maybe Oh, fourth. Legend of Zelda? Nope. It's not Elder Scrolls. <laughs> no. Best huh. series. Series So think of a of game that, that's, come out, that's come out with a lot of games, and they're always RPGs. You'll be, uh, you'll be so <laughs> it's something that I also very much love. <laughs> Why don't you just tell me? Pokemon. Oh my lord. <laughs> but are they They are they RPGs. Are There's leveling up. They have yeah. each But each it's Pokemon like a weird ha- mechanic because ultimately you're you're the slave you're not master. Really, yeah, you're, you're not really leveling up yourself. Yeah, I mean, I guess but unless I, in you a way, can't get running like, shoes, right? But it, it's essentially, if you think about it, in a weird way, it's kind of like um, like a tactical RPG because in tactical RPGs, you always play the like tactician character. Yeah, Fire Emblem is a big example. Or like Fire Emblem, yeah, where you're never actually fighting; you're just using other people. So I guess it's the same thing. Yeah, you. I remember in Fire Emblem, you would make your not really make your own character, but you were known as the strategist or the tactician. Right. Put your name in, and like the guy, they would talk to you constantly. Yeah. <laughs> and they yeah, were so weird. You were always like a part of every conversation, and you were just like a hooded character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really weird. And yeah, you were sending people to, to their doom or level up or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, second, what is in the series is Final Fantasy. Although some of these. Other ones, like they're saying third is Dragon Quest. I'm a little skeptical about because it did say like this was 2010 when it was last recorded. Like Pokemon, mm. I'd, without a doubt. And Final Fantasy, I'm pretty sure it's pretty high up there with how many games they've made. But then like you think about World of Warcraft. Um, right. I, I think that just the new they, classic coming out. Shit. Right. I think World of Warcraft, I think the Elder Scrolls series is really big. I th- El- Skyrim's literally on every single platform ever imagined. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Legend of Zelda with the new game coming out could really possibly have bigger numbers. I don't what know. Do you, so I guess, what do you think is the most sold... Let's just go this way so I can be careful. What do you think the most sold RPG was during the Golden Era? Hmm... Series or singular game? Singular game. Ugh. Let's go. So with that would Legend be eighties, eighties to two thousand. I'm gonna go with Legend of Zelda. Final Fantasy VII. Mm. Yeah, I was <laughs> gonna go with that, but the the reason why I say Legend of Zelda is that I feel like the nostalgia for Legend of Zelda is far more like widespread. Mm-hmm. There's a it, way larger audience for some reason that appreciates Legend of Zelda compared to Final Fantasy. Uh, Final Fantasy in general, I agree. It's Final Fantasy VII that's that was weird because it right, broke no, the mold. I, I I totally get it, but I think I still think compared compared to Legend of Zelda as a franchise and Final Fantasy VII, the game. Hundred percent, I agree. There, there's a for whatever reason, 
Legend of Zelda is like far more nostalgic and remembered. Yeah. And that's whatever just the fuck Final Fantasy VII did, it was the game to like come out to really change how prevalent JRPGs were. Right. Like, also, it could have been the reason why I'm thinking Legend of Zelda too could be the fact that probably Legend of Zelda as a franchise does better than it's better Final Fantasy sure. in the West. Yeah. Oh, that might be true. I would agree with that. Yeah. Because they are more, I guess, action-oriented. Yeah. I guess, yeah. Uh, there's some other stuff that I added into this. Like, oh, Elder Scrolls V sold over 22.7 million copies. Jesus. But I mean, yeah, that's a fuck ton, right? Um, and but probably I mean, more. Isn't that isn't it nuts? Just like, okay, that's a lot, right? But think yeah. about um, Grand Theft Auto. I mean, and how much the number, number five. It was like over 55 million in sales in sales like individual of, units of that individual game it was like number five Num- like wow. grand theft auto five it was whatever the most recent one is yeah it's grand theft auto five yeah yeah i'm like holy fucking shit well that is it's it's surprising how large that game's community still is even though it's not very multiplayer oriented and man like we we talked about this a few weeks ago that they're still getting updates they got the casino update yeah yeah. Um, so, but why are we talking about this? It's because as much as I love RPGs, it's definitely not as comparable as they're, they're not the the leading genre <laughs> yeah. of game. No. Yeah. We Maybe like Quinn, addicting you games. <laughs> you should you should definitely do one someday, Quinn. You should do oh, like you a want, shooter. Yeah, yeah, I bet you want me to because you'll never do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never do shooters. You can right. ask me questions. I'll be like, oh, Call of Duty. <laughs> yeah. It might be interesting if with bringing up GTA is like simulation games. Yeah. Because GTA 5 in a lot of respects is one of the best simulate modern simulations that still is game like, mm-hmm. but it still has a lot of things going on at the same time. It's a pretty much a shrunk down version of LA simulated. Yeah. Traffic, trains go on time. Boats, individuals have lives, like all that stuff. Especially like uh, even with Red Dead Redemption 2, they have a lot of those mechanics and simulation aspects as well where you could follow a character and they'll be doing their, they have a life of their own, which is very weird. Until next time, I'll yeah. uh, I'll keep that in mind. Maybe I'll do my research and yeah. figure out. Bring ask you some questions next time. Please do because uh, I'll get crushed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you will. Maybe you'll come up with much more thoughtful questions, and then uh, yeah. I'll get destroyed because I'm all, I'm only going to answer Call of Duty. But guys, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, we recommend you going on Twitter and go to at BS Gamers Podcast and talk to us about your starting rpg game like what how did you start playing rpgs is it your fondest memories of video gaming or are you like quinn and it all started with a shooter to get his addiction going (laughs) (laughs) hey man i talked about like whatever soul whatever too right i played rpgs right ain't ain't no shooter only guy but the game that did it yeah the game the cause addiction was call of duty for yeah we got it what I'm can they do? Control. Control's an RPG, kind of. 
<laughs> what can they do to do even more for us, Quinn? If you want to do more for us, then just talk to Chase on Twitter about <laughs> RPGs because you both are nerds. You can review Specifically us. JRPGs. Yeah, he's Final Fantasy. Oh my, you, he'll make out with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can review us on the platform of your choice. It would really help us a lot. If you have any criticisms, please tweet us. Tweet us those criticisms at BS Gamers Podcast on Twitter. We would like to hear your feedback. What can we improve on? How can Chase be less annoying? How can Quinn stay sexy? All that stuff. How can we want to hear it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, guys, guess we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, talk to you guys later. Bye.